Welcome to the Song Facts Podcast. I am your host, Corey Flanagan, and thank you very much for joining me today. Hope you're making it a good one, and as always, this podcast is proudly a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Now, recently, the top brass over at Pantheon Podcast announced that they would be producing the official podcast for Metallica. Yeah, that Metallica. It is called the Metallica Report. And today, I get to chat with the hosts, Renee Richardson and Stefan Shirazi. Stefan has been with and around the band since very early on in their career in the early 80s, and he brings that experience to the show with incredible stories that you won't hear anywhere else. Renee, a former radio DJ, is now the director of philanthropy for the band's foundation, All Within My Hands. I am so happy to have had them on the show. There's so much good stuff in here. I'm really excited for you to hear it. And I also hope that you will check out the Metallica Report, which is currently giving weekly updates of Metallica's M72 tour. Please join me in welcoming Renee and Stefan. But that's like Metallica. Look, look, you have to know, you have to know about these guys. They have that sense of humor in them. They have the twinkle, the twinkle of the humor demon there. They, they do. They, they, yeah. All of them, they all like a little bit of a cheeky laugh. So that's that's something that you are going to hear creep, creeping in here and there. Um, I like absolutely. it. I think it's one of the happen. things that like, this is always something that I try and do with people in your guys position because i i one i like challenging people and two like it's really fucking hard to do this but you guys are hosting this amazing show the first ever like official metallica podcast the metallica report uh, this intro will have been done on the intro as well but we're with stefan and renee is it shirazi and yeah, then Steph- stefan shirazi stefan yeah. shirazi and renee richardson um right. What what I like your, to, come on, you've got. I think you should unveil your original, your original surname, which is just brilliant. Mine, yes. Uh, so, okay, well, it's so complicated. <laughs> so, my maiden name is Rottenbucher, yeah. and Hang so on. I did radio as Renee Rotten <laughs> because that's what they called me in high school, I, and then I, rebranded as Renee Richardson when I moved from an alternative station to a AAA station, where I had to be a little more, you know. See, Friendly. whenever I, whenever I see, see Lionel, whenever I hear Renee, Renee, Richard, Renee Rottenbuch, I always think of the Scorpions. Yes. Yes. Of course, Scorpions. yes absolutely. <laughs> Did you, I, I'm putting the over under on like five umlauts on that last name. Oh. <laughs> it's just, uh, just uh, actually the original Rottenbuch is just one on the U. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and no accent to go with that. That's like me. Like people hear O'Flanagan. They're like, you have this like Midwestern accent. This is ridiculous. <laughs> What a false flag. Um, but let me get Let's give you guys. I wanted to give you. You got 60 seconds each here. And like, I'm not going to set a timer or anything. Go what you need to. But what's your history with the band? And how did you guys become the hosts of this amazing podcast? Steph, you want to go first or shall I? Up to you. I'll go. Um, my history with the band is I worked in radio in San Francisco 
for many, many years, was a fan of the band and everything it did. While I worked for a radio station that really didn't play Metallica, I was still a fan. And over the years, would go see them live, got to know the management team, because that's what you do. Radio interviewed Lars at times, um, possibly even Kirk. Can we Um, get a time frame on this? Sorry. So this would have been, let's see, 2000, the early 2000s for interviewing the band. But I lived in San Francisco and was on the radio in San Francisco starting in 95. So anytime in there, um, there was my love of of Metallica. Anytime I could see them live, I would go to that show. And, you know, radio people, they always like to get their way into concerts. (laughs) So I was always working an angle to get my way into a show. But anyway, so that's my history with the band as outside the organization. Then flash forward to the changes in radio, consolidation. Eventually, I leave radio. All the time, I had worked um, for nonprofit organizations as a volunteer and lending my voice to things. So I eventually transitioned to a um, development director of a small music school in San Francisco called Blue Bear School of Music and was learning about everything I needed to know about fundraising and running a 501c3. And in that time, the Metallica was forming their foundation all within mm-hmm. my hands. So being friends with management, this came up and I was like, oh, I, you know, I can help you figure this out and put some pieces together for you guys. And and we can, you know, I can tell you everything I've learned. And over time, it became apparent that they needed someone uh, to, to kind of run the day to day of the foundation yeah. and that I was the perfect fit for that. And I was excited by that. And I, at that point had moved very close to HQ. And um, so I came on board to uh, help you know, be administrative, uh, for the foundation. Okay. And over time, because, you know, my radio background and things like this, when the podcast, uh, when we started talking about the podcast, it, it seemed a very natural fit. And Steph and I got along immediately, right. When I came on to the organization, he was one of the first friends I made. So everything kudos kinda... to you for that. Cause he seems like terrible to get along with just, <laughs> He's horrible. Any, like, on a, like a, just first impressions. Um, and then Stefan, yeah, I'm going to let you dick. go. The, <laughs> the, the last thing that I want to say is song or album that got you like kind of hooked on the Metallica. Um, um, you know, it was actually a concert. I, Ooh. my, my cousin took me to see, um, Metallica with the cult. I was a cult fan. I was oh. a fan of the cult. And this was like 88, 89, 89. In New York. That was a justice tour. I was at yeah. that gig. Yeah. yeah. So I went and then I was like, well, Metallica, whatever. <laughs> so I go to the, the Brendan, bathroom. Brendan Byrne, right? That was the yeah, Brendan, Brendan Byrne Arena. Arena. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, I go to the bathroom when, when Metallica is coming on and I just hear this power coming through. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I ran out. I hope I'm allowed to curse on this. You're fine. Um, I ran out and I my, I was just, that was it. I was done. I fell in love. Their performance, their their music, everything. I'm still gonna say I'm not the kind of person that co- comes home and listens to Metallica records all the time. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it it was the Wait. live performance that that sucked me in. I, I've got to come back. You know, after that gig, me and Lars, Lars is like, yeah, I got to get it. Something is like, okay, let let's go. I'll bring you somewhere. I'll bring you to the Kiev Diner. And in the Lower East Side, right? Oh, you, yes. You, I yeah, love right. the Kiev. <laughs> so oh I bought it. It's gone now. It's gone now. Long gone yeah. now, sadly. We went to Kiev Diner and, and yeah, we got out of the car. I remember one thing specifically. He was wearing unscrupulously short running shorts for some reason <laughs> after the gig. And and one of his skinny little T-shirts. And we just, so we're in there. The next thing, the limo driver 
has gone thumping into the wall of the restaurant, the glass window wall restaurant. <laughs> We're like, what the fuck? So apparently he was getting out of the car and he got clipped and somehow flew. <gasps> he goes, I don't know how that works. To this day, I can't quite figure it out. <laughs> what I do remember is if you know the Lower East Side back then in 89, it was it was definitely it was OK. But you're real. You're near Alphabet City, right? You're yeah. not far off from the ABCs. And so, you know, the, the, the local, the locals come out, right? So suddenly yes. it's like, I think it's like one thirty in the morning, they can start coming out and we're like, oh, wow. And then the driver is, first of all, I said, look at Lars. I'm like, oh shit. I'm like, you stand behind that cashier. So I put him behind the cashier. I'm like, don't move. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm like, you know, I'm in a panic. I'm like, What's he? he could <laughs> go wandering off. Drummer. <laughs> stand behind the cashier. So okay, it's like whatever. Like, and then I go outside, and I swear to God, the driver shouts. He's like, "Ah, oh, ah, uh, whatever you do, get the two thousand dollar check out of the glove box <laughs> loudly." <laughs> it's like suddenly everyone just starts congregating <laughs> towards the car. Now, as this is happening, I, there's Lars behind the cash guy, right? There's me hearing this guy. He's put me in the spotlight. That night, they gave out leather jackets. Right, like Metallica had like and Justice for All leather jackets, like the tour jackets, right? Okay. Mine was in the back. Um, now it was a stretch limo, so it wasn't like you could go to the glove box and the back seat and be in and out. It's like it's a commitment. You have to make go to the front, then you have to make a journey to the back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'll try and get this guy's check. I'm not fucking having my jacket uh, you know stolen by this lot. And they start coming in the limo behind you. Like, hey, no. what's up? What's going on? Yeah. I'm like, nothing, get out, get out, get out. <laughs> Get the check, get the jacket, call the tour manager on the course, you know, on the, the rest, okay, restaurant phone. phone. We, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. restaurant phone. We, um, and it, it, I think it was Ian Jeffrey at the time. I think I think it was Ian Jeffrey. Anyway, we got out of there. But yes, I'll never forget that show. And I actually have to tell you, I thought the cult that night were were absolute shite. I, I, I it was one of the only super negative reviews I've ever given anyone. I really? gave zero wow. rating. Well, I think I was also riding a little bit of hubris there. I was really, a, I don't like to be a negative or negatively hubristic writer, but at that time I was just like, God, and I just thought Billy Duffy was such an arrogant. I've since, I mean, I, we since spent time together and he's great. But at the time I was like, who the fuck are you? So at that stage, <laughs> is that a co-headlining gig or was? No, absolutely no, not. No. no, no, no. The cult. No, no, the, the cult, cult were there. graciously that was when... brought along. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, yeah, when okay. that's when it that's when Ian Asprey was going out with Firewoman. You know about that? Oh yeah, was that her? Fire... Yeah, Firewoman. That was the tour. Firewoman. Yeah, she was on tour anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I had to jump in because it's like that mm-hmm. that gig. That was well, I love brilliant... that we kind of like discovered this gig. between you two hosts that you guys didn't know yet, and then you yes, know, yeah, no, we, we, always show. yes. Oh, you're right. Exactly. <laughs> that was that was a that was a great gig and 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 and, and an excellent tour. I have to say. Well, that yeah. means that you've obviously known these guys <laughs> and been around for a long time. So you know, as succinctly as we can, because I have a few more questions I want to get to. Okay. How did you get in with Metallica? All right. Well, I'll bullet point it as best I can. Uh, 15 years old, I bullshitted my way into the music press. Mm. Uh, I was already aware of Metallica's um, No Life to Leather demo that had gone around the mean streets of Surbiton and Kingston. So we were already aware of that. Um, First free album I ever received as a quote unquote rock journalist of nearly 16 at that point was Kill 'Em All. Mm. Uh, So but I was already aware of the band. I was very excited. Um, I got taken on professionally, quote unquote. Beyond Internship uh, in 1984. <clears throat> so the first feature I ever did uh, was for uh, Ride the Lightning when that was coming out. Um, that was the first time I went on an airplane. 
uh, to Paris to do that. Uh, met Cliff Burton, met all of them. When Cliff heard that I was m moving to the States, he uh, gave me a phone number and said, call me, I'll show you around. Um, in the meantime, I interviewed them for Master of Puppets for Sounds. This is all for Sounds newspaper, okay. uh, which was one of the the big three. It was Melody Maker, Enemy, Sounds. And uh, Kerrang! was the heavy metal big brother, if you will. So I moved. Cliff introduced me to a bunch of people. He obviously didn't come back, uh, which is a great shame, um, obviously. Uh, still miss him to this day uh, it's really very sad um and uh, but we we all got you know we, we cut a long story short we hung out a lot i did a lot of reporting on them i sort of became the go-to chronicler you know uh for, for kerrang and so on and so forth and you know the, the, the great thing with this band is that if you were to give them a soft ride they'd look at you and think you're a twat uh so you know you'd push them and push them and and i i was able to push them and get more out of them because we knew each other they expected mm. deeper sort of tougher interviews and so it's fun so yeah so over the years I, I went all over the place with them in you know like and keeping it short so yeah no that's really good i mean <laughs> that's, then, that's pretty incredible to be doing that as a teenager yep right. and then 90 and yeah i know i i, I agree uh, at one point i would have said well blah, 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 but no you're right it is and it, it's been a, it's been a pretty great pretty great journey and then in 99 they officially gave me so what magazine as the editor I, i'd already been writing for it um tony smith who is a former tour manager a really good guy he'd founded the magazine but he'd taken me on as a freelancer for pretty much every issue, like, you know, to do the core of content. So yeah, just shy of 20 years and you finally have an official title. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> Way to stick with it. <laughs> yeah, I was, <laughs> exactly. I was free. I was freelancing as well before though. I was doing a load of other stuff. I mean, I'd interview, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll do the name bomb here and, you know, so, so, you know, David Bowie, you know, Keith Richards, Kurt Cobain, James Brown. I was out with Bon Jovi on wow. and off. I mean, you know, I did a lot of different stuff. And then and then we got to the massive attacks and and all those guys. I got into that stuff. Goldie, I got into all the dance music stuff as oh, well. So nice. I was writing about a lot of different stuff. Oasis, we had on the front of the date book, the San Francisco Chronicle hmm. in 96. So I was busy. And in all fairness, I don't think I would have been up for anything uh, fixed before that. But I mean, I saw those guys all the fucking time. I mean, you have to you have to know it's like you hear the word family and and it's thrown around and right. you know this this is for better or for worse we are family you know we mm. are we are we are a band of brothers and i'm sure you know we we love each other but i'm sure sometimes we look at each other and think oh my god you again <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, as it, you, you do know, with family of course and it, but it is the truest the truest uh embodiment of the word i mean it's undeniable with the years right you yeah can't, no, that's beautiful. Um, okay, we're going to jump back over to Renee, because I'm going to kind of go back and forth between mm -hmm. a few things. Obviously, I, I've, it was great when you sent me that email yesterday, because I also have been obsessed with the Song Facts website forever. And that's how <laughs> I ended up doing this show is because I just cold emailed the editor to be like, you clearly need a podcast. Look at your giant <laughs> database of stuff. Let's keep adding awesome. to that. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, Talk to me about your history of song facts, because so many people that I've interviewed over the last few years and not many people know this website, which just astounds me because as a curious brain who's constantly questioning what songs are about and where they came from and stuff like it's the perfect place to go. Oh, I'm surprised more people aren't landing there. And then once you get that, I kind of just want you to give us a little bit of a like, what's the premise of your guys show and what can fans expect on a week to week basis? Sure. So song facts, my history with song facts, you know, being a radio DJ, you are, um, you know, taking in 
songs from every genre and some things that maybe I'm just not hip to or don't really care about, <laughs> don't have time to get into. And you're playing these songs on the radio. And so the fastest way to learn as much as possible was song facts. And I stumbled on it. I was I was also doing like music news for radio stations and um, little segmented pieces um, where I, I needed to know my facts. And I'm not the kind of person that remembers details mm -hmm. very well. Even if I've, Steph, you're going to get to know this. Even if I've been there, you could say, yeah, we did this. I'll be like, oh, did we? Okay. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> Good combo because he literally remembers everything. <laughs> he remembers everything and I remember nothing. Um, so song facts became very handy to the radio DJ to kind of formulate your thoughts around the music that you're playing, get new ideas, find out new things, and then piece things together so you tell a good story on the air. So that's that's how I came to find Song Facts. And I'm so glad it still exists. And it's even better and better than I remember. There's so much great content, including your podcast. So congratulations, sir. Thank you. And I know um, the editor, Carl, will be very happy to hear your story there because he came from being a radio DJ and like had this huge database of stuff and all this knowledge and just decided like sometime in the mid 90s, like this should be out there. And like, yeah. I think the reason for it was to give to people like you who really could use it on your show. Yeah, it was it was great. It, it saved me hours. So um, thank you. Um, and the format of our show, well, you know, we've uh, the format of the show is kind of like a quick news update. You yeah. know, it's a weekly it's a weekly thing, but all inclusive. We kind of uh, really want people to feel as a fan, as a band member, as a part of the crew that uh, everyone is included in this and we will piece together each show. Um, around different things that are going on. So right now it's very tour centric. Um, each stop, Steph and I are recording from the tour and we're pulling in pieces that we think people will find interesting. People can also um, send us little audio questions that will get answered for them. So I think the best way for the way I would describe it is a, it's a weekly show where Steph and I take you on a little uh, deep dive of Metallica and you're a part of the, the program. Does that for our older of? fans? I think that if you think of Kurt Loder, MTV News, do, 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 MTV News, yeah. then you're probably <laughs> like, but just all Metallica. That's kind of the vibe that I got. The yeah. episodes oh, cool. that are out right now in like the 10 to 15 minute range. That's interesting. It's that's packed a, full of good information. But that was kind of what I thought of like, you mm. guys are just doing this a quick snapshot of what's going on that mm -hmm. week. Like, it, what's really cool about it, and I think unique, is the current. Like, it's just like, this is what's happening this week right now i mean that's awesome yeah um stefan because you're kind of the our, our our historian here this is something that like is a question that i would ask based on trying to like help tell a story that could maybe land somewhere in the song facts database but i'm curious like with your expertise what's a song or show that shows how the band changed or evolved when they had to go from um move on from Cliff Burton with to Jason Newstead. I'm just curious if you can like take some time. If you got to think about it a little bit, that's fine. But I'm just curious if there's a song. You mean stylistically? Stylistically, or mean, yeah. Like well there was is no, there well, something that we could do yeah, that showed well, that pivot. Well, I mean look, the, the biggest the biggest thing that look there's two things to say. First of all, um I I, I appreciate when you say historian and I and I appreciate that you know you've um, recognized that I remember things. Now let me throw a wrench in those works and let me say I'm actually not. No, no, because it's very important. I'm not a stat-driven person. I'm yeah. not good with stats. I can't tell you how many drumsticks Lars used in Peoria in 1989. I, I'm not that person. 
Uh, but my my deep dive with them has always been as a chronicler and to get into the psychology of what they do mm. and and the and and the, the mental side of who they are and to bring my my thing has always been to try and bring people close to them as people and and just to add to what Renee said about the pod and I think this is very important in those little moments that you do get with them I really want people to feel that they are sitting with those band members for that moment in that car. Uh, or in that living room, or wherever uh, you, you know you listen to your pod, uh, I want them to feel that they're there with us. That's that's a very key part, I think, of this show. People yeah, should yeah. feel that we're in their living room with them. Not, I mean, not not like even like Kurt Loder on MTV, but they're actually in their living room. I want them by week twenty to feel that they have to make me a cup of tea. <laughs> I, love that. I may not be love there, that. but just make me a cup because I I I'm, I'm could be sitting right next to you. But to answer your question specifically, um. I think the whole Justice album was an exercise in grief and an exercise in defiance and an exercise in, in power and an exercise in sadness and, and ultimately triumph. It was a, it's an extremely uh, potent, powerful, confusing album in many ways, emotionally. Um, they were paralyzed with grief in many ways, but they knew um, instinctually that they had to go on. Cliff wouldn't have had it any other way. I mean, that's the truth. Yeah. Cliff would have looked at them and said, you're a bunch of pussies. What are you doing? Don't sit around moping. That's not what this is about. Uh, but equally, they were, they were, pol I mean, how could you not be polax? It's an incredibly traumatic, emotional thing right. to go through uh, at that age. And so when you listen to that record, it's not the style of the music that you listen to for, for this. It's actually the fact that Jason's bass does not appear on the record. Um, something which I found out to my chagrin when I turned up in Detroit uh, on the monsters of rock and we were yeah me and a friend went bundling into his room and like and, and he's like hey you want to hear it i've got the final i've got the final i've got it here and he put it on we listened to black and we're like wow this is this is fierce like, this is great he goes you hear anything i'm like oh we're hearing great he goes there's no fucking bass there's no bass <laughs> and i'm like oh you know i think i might have meekly said something like perhaps your boom box isn't that good and i mean just some ridiculous like you know but the truth of the matter is, if you ever wanted, uh, a, a, you know, pr oral proof of of the transition, that would be it. And I mean, Jason really, you know, came into he came into his own on the Black Album was when you really started to hear yeah. him. But the work he did on the Justice Tour and the work they did together on the Justice Tour, those were hard miles, and they they all deserve a tremendous amount of credit for getting through them. It was it was intense. And that's why those shows like the one Renee saw, that's why that tour was so fierce. There was, you know, the, the, the flaming star was coming alive. They were exploding. Right. They were just exploding. Yeah. Uh, but there was an undercurrent of unprocessed grief. So do you think that the like if, so if that's true and the bass didn't really show up on that album and then when they're touring behind it, yeah. the bass shows up when you're live. And then does it, so did you think it had a different sound? Cliff was a river in the way that he played. He was much, much, uh, oh, he wasn't, he was just had a lot of flow to him the way he played. I mean, he was a finger player, right? So, you know, he's, he's plucking a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, that gives a different feel. Um, and so he was very much a connection point, a connector of things. So that bass flows, right? You listen to Orion, right? It flows. You even listen to Master of Puppets as a song, it flows. You listen to Ride the Lightning, it flows. There's a connection. It's it's like, let's say it's like a river and you've got trees around the river. Ah, oh, connects yeah. them, right? Okay. 
Um, that may not be the best analogy, but I think you know where I'm going with it. Uh, Jason, Jason was absolutely fierce, a brilliant bass player, but very, very much. I'd say much harder. Uh, Jason came from a very, you know, from, from a hard, you know, hard, I mean, he came from Flotsam and Jetsam. Um, and it was only later that he was able to express other sides of his playing. He's a, Jason's a, it loves jazz music and so on and so forth, you know, like a lot of bass players, but he really does. He loves reggae that started to come out later. But I think when you heard him on the justice tour, he, he felt an obligation to really bring the metal and to bring the energy like that he really felt, I mean, like, like a soldier, he felt the obligation to take that on and he made it a huge commitment and that's what he did. So I think when you listen to the justice tour, very, very, very hard, right? Very hard, very relentless. And then when you listen, you know, when, when, when RT came in and by the way, uh, uh, Rob Trujillo, when Rob came in, uh, you know, by the way, Rob is the longest serving bass player by some distance, right? Worth a Again, you're back to sort of a more of a river, more of a more of a more of a connector in the in the oral sense. You mm. know, uh, it's re it's really interesting. But J J Jason's importance, I mean, it was so important what he did at that time. It really was, and like just your ability to come into that sort of turmoil oh. and oh still God, thrive. Yeah. Like it, right. I think it's Oof. famous, like the hazing and everything that the band put him through, which was their way of like dealing with the grief, or one of their ways yeah. of dealing with the grief. Like it's yeah. it's pretty incredible that he was able to just stick with it and like cared enough about the music oh, to stick with it. I, I used to walk in, and uh, I'm one of those. I always like to snoop in the dressing room. I always like to look when it's quiet, when there's nobody in the dressing room. I've, um, I've actually got a stash of pictures over the years of just the dressing room, various places when it's quiet, because I think it's a really interesting moment. And I do remember, I, you know, you see in the in the, the bathroom connected to these, you'd see three toothbrushes and one. I mean, it, it got to be like that. And that's, but you think about it, you're in your early 20s. Yeah. We're, we're all fucking around in our early 20s. It's trying true. to be, there's always someone being a bit dicky to someone else until something happens, right? I mean, that's not always, but you know what I mean? It's it's youthful, mm. it's youthful dickheadedness as well. Boys are mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, true. I, I mean, look, I never did that. I never separated anyone's toothbrush from anyone. As a matter of fact, it's, oh, you got a toothbrush? Come and sit next to my toothbrush. Let's have tea. It's great. Wonderful. But I understand the sensibilities that happen. This is, this is, you know, this is what happens. But I will say that, you know, that's a lot of unprocessed grief as well, as you said. And yeah. it's, it, it was heavy. So, yeah, uh, what a time. Stay tuned for more Song Facts podcast right after this. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Song back right here. Renee, what's the most underrated Metallica song? All within my hands. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, you Can are. I say that. <laughs> great song. It in, crush it down. All within my hands. Hold it dear. Hold it soft. It is a great song, and I'm yeah. so glad they 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 chose that song, you know, to name the foundation, uh, using that that song title. And um, I think it is a completely under underrated song, and uh, I love it in all its forms. I love it acoustic from the 2018 benefit, and I love it with the San Francisco Symphony from 2019. Um, and I love the album version. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the most underappreciated. Ask me again in a year and I'll have another. No, it's no, no, that's a, that's a great choice. That's a great yeah. choice. I love that. You want to chime in on why? Yeah. Well that, yeah, no, I think it's a great choice because we're talking about emotions in records and this band wears their heart on their mm -hmm. sleeve in their albums. And St. Anger was another absolute powder keg of emotions. Um, again, uh, just, massive tension on that record um it, it's the lost metallica album for me or the least appreciated uh but it is the most definitive of where they were at that time as people and that song in particular is just it's just it's just anger and and, and sadness and 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 defiance it's all of those things again it's the struggle the struggle is just encapsulated so clearly in that song uh, and it just even the way even the way it reaches that frenetic climax i mean it yeah. just builds and builds and builds and builds and then it's just like pff, fuck we haven't got anything else left to leave we, we mm. can't, there's nothing left in the tank you know i don't know if you're in you know i don't know if you do any it looks like you do your gym work and so on and so forth. You know, when the trainers will say, come on, this is the last yeah, minute. Give it your hard. all. Give leave it, it all on. Don't leave anything behind. Well, that's what I th th This left nothing behind. There's not a squeak left. And yeah, it's it's a great song. It's a great yeah. song. There's another great song on that record, My World. So, mm. yeah. yeah. Maybe just as an album as a whole. I love it. I love it. I love and it I, too. But, I, but I like the outliers. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you another. I'll tell you the, the I think the riff that's been lost to all time 
is uh, is the view. I am a chorus of the voices that gather up the magnets set before me. I attract you and repel you. A science of the heart and blood and meaning. Uh, which is on the Lulu record with Lou Reed. Now, whether you like Lou Reed singing with Metallica or not, or vocalising with Metallica or not, that that's obviously a very personal choice. But if you listen to that riff, I think that riff is absolutely huge, <clears throat> or even huge. Um, it's it, it's huge, and and it's it's such a lost riff, and, and a lot of people won't listen to it because ah, oh, it's Lou Reed. I'm not listening to that. Blah, 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 bollocks. Blah. That is a great riff. Can I ask a quick question, yeah. Steph? Because I I am a fan of Lou Reed, and yeah. I never knew the genesis. Like, how did that album? How did that all come together? Do you so know? that came about. Uh, it, remember the gigs, the Madison Square Garden for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was an invitation to do, you know, some some songs with Lou Reed. So they did, and it's actually brilliant. When Lou Reed walked into the rehearsal room, he walked in. It was an SIR in New York, I believe. He walked in and turned around and walked out he was mm. like fuck this really these guys this, this this is asshole this is asshole territory i i don't know he just was switched off to it energy and then it, yeah yeah he i i think he just was like i'm not into any of this i'm fucking you know i don't need to deal with this i mean yeah. I, I i was sitting there was a seating area above where they were all rehearsing and i was sitting observing it's like a crow's nest almost and i just watched him walk in <laughs> look turn around and walk out and everyone's like what what the fuck <laughs> um he came back in um i remember big mick hughes uh, was sort of a mediator with lars when they were talking uh, that, that when he was talking with the band and he goes well let's just see how it works and so they played and within half an hour the smile on lou reed's face was wider than wow. the building and but the end of those performances that they did end up doing, he goes, we've got to do an album together. I want to make music with you. We've got to do something together. You know, I think I always That's felt cool. that I always felt Lou Reed is sort of in, and I mean this in the best possible ways. He's a, he's a you know, he's very, very good at picking the energy to mm -hmm. feed off. And I think at that point of his life, he wanted that renegade energy that he could find. And whether you like it or not, that forget how wealthy Metallica and so on, it's irrelevant they have an insatiable energy and hunger about them to do stuff. They do it because they have to fucking do it. They have no choice. You know, they have no choice. They're not going to yeah. sit around and count their heads. It's not what they do. It's, it's, there's always, the heads are always ticking with something. There's always a riff. There's always something. There's always, it's, it's, it's insatiable. It's, it's, they're born with it. He, I think, loves that, loved that energy and wanted it. So that's how, that's how Lulu came together. And then, you know, the project came together uh, pretty quickly soon after that. And uh, yeah, it was fascinating. I loved it. I mean, I yeah. was one of the rare ones that I actually managed to observe. I usually stay out of the studio because I don't want to hear things until they're done. But this was one where I, you know, wangled my way inside everything because it's it's Lou Reed, and you want to you want to watch and learn. It was it was incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the things, like, kind of because you touch on like it wasn't that well received, and Metallica fans are very famous for being purists in like. Yeah like particular <laughs> particularly purist and that's why like one of the things that really drew me in because this probably was in it was in the late 90s so i would have been 
mid to late teens, like 16 ish when um, the first symphony Metallica album came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd been listening to them for a few years before that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that album to me is still one of the most beautiful, like it's one of those that I can just start. And I feel like I'm going on this musical journey of yeah. like the way that they, like you before that, I can't imagine anyone thought let's put metal and orchestra together and it just, to me, worked so beautifully. Oh, so well. It, I'm wondering if you guys can just kind of touch on that or what, you, what your kind of thoughts are on that album. Yeah. Uh, 99, so the first one, uh, Steph, you take this because I'm, I, I, I don't have okay. a, I mean, I, I remember when it came out and I remember thinking this is genius and then it actually played out. So you were into it. Awesome. So- I was into it, but I was even more into 2019. Like the second okay. go around to me was like, holy crap, this is even more um, um, mind blowing. So but- I think I think what's great about that period in Metallica's history and, and we'll take it from the mid 90s. Right. So you take it from and you have to really to get to the symphony album, in my opinion. So you start, you know, you're starting with like coming off the back of like in, in 1993, they come off being the biggest band in the world. It just it's insane. Right. I mean, it's so insane that Kirk Hammett goes back to SF State for like a semester or two mm. just to just to reacclimatize to wow. humanity. And mm. He put himself back into school because he's like, otherwise, I'm going to be fucking I, I, I'm, I'm going to be off the rails. Right. So th- this is a mind blowing thing. What's the one thing that this band doesn't want to do? They don't want to just exist as the biggest band in the world. They want to keep challenging. So they go exactly the opposite way. They yeah. decide to cut their hair, experiment with with, with makeup, with a couple of them, and, and, and you know, really get into the, like some serious uh, songwriting. Not that they haven't before, but like certainly not making the Black Album 2 is my point. So they were constantly on the lookout. I think for, for, for new, what's going to excite us? Where can we go? Where are the projects? What's going to happen? What, where can we find the stimulus? And you got to remember as well, Cliff Burton was, was instrumental back in the day in introducing James uh, to, to, to theory, to, yep. to classical theory. Classical. Uh, yeah, very much so. And, and so he helps sow those seeds. And, and, you know, when you listen to Metallica music, the arrangements are very, very much made to work with classical music mm. um you know th- th- there are some people who say that it isn't but they're they're just not listening properly not that i'm judgmental but they're not <laughs> um so you know it, it became it was like okay you know what can we do next what can we do next and and this project presented itself with michael Kamen, um and and it was it was sort of just like another extension of who metallica were at that time you know the previous year they'd done i think it was the previous year they'd done the garage uh the garage um yep. covers uh they'd yeah. done the huge the double album you know they'd done covers before but they decided to do a double album of covers you know you'd had load you had reload it's like okay where else can this crazy ship go um and 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 there we had it you know and yeah it was it was tremendous i mean michael Kamen's uh i mean he kind of spoke for himself and you know you had songs like you know you had some brilliant songs i mean bleeding me and stuff like that i mean was just almost written for those sorts of arrangements so yeah it was it was great it was a it was a really great thing it was it was weird i i won't pretend that like sitting down in that in that place and the first few notes you're like whoa this is weird but yeah. it works <laughs> you know i can hear I, that I love, opening I, so, so well 
Yeah, I love them for always looking to do something that's like, you know, that other people wouldn't. I love them for making albums that have only like a couple of songs that are less than six minutes. It's like, you know, I love all that stuff. Yeah. So add that, add this to the table of, of ex great experiments of bravery that worked, right? Challenge the norm. And yes. I'm going to do, I've got one more for you guys and I want to let you get on with it. And I just appreciate you taking some time and answering my questions. Endlessly curious brain. And I literally have <laughs> such a giant list. It's like impossible to like pick which questions I want to ask, but I want to <laughs> kind of bring it back towards the, your guys show and then the tour that's currently going right now. So from what you guys kind of said, are you guys on the tour? Like, cause you're recording uh, yes. while it's it, going on. It, so you're, are you kind of, are you on the tour, like going to the dates and everything? Most Sometimes. Of it. Yeah. Well, most, most, time, of, yeah. Okay. most of it, most of it, one of us at least is on and uh, right. you know, some of it, both of us are on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what it kind of sounds like when you listen to the episodes too. So yeah. I just wanted to try and like confirm that because this is like a really remember, interesting. Remember Renee, if we're not on tour, Clank a couple of pots and pans in the back and just scream muffled <laughs> through the back of your hand, and everyone will think we're out there. Exactly. Yeah. Easy to pose. Give me that beach ball. Get some crowd noise in there. Get um, the fuck out. <laughs> sorry, I cut you off, but I couldn't. It's resist. fine. It's yeah. fine. Um, particularly the first episode, you guys really talk a lot about this, the that what's called the M72 tour. Um mm -hmm. And it just seems like it's, this is like something kind of new as well. Like what we were talking about, how they're always trying to just push the envelope and do something more. And like, really, this one seems like it's almost more so for the fans. Cause it's not just a concert. Um, it's like a multi-day event and different things going on, possible meet and greets, just like all these different things going on that you guys are going to be making people aware of so that they can kind of get excited when the show comes to their town. Um, I just want to, and we'll start with you, Renee. What can you tell us about just what people can expect at these shows? Just because there is so much going on, and I'm going to link to this stuff on the in the show notes on on our site, right. so that they can just easily click to it from listening to this. But like, I mean, it's it's a three day thing. Like, it might yeah. be two days of concerts, but all day there's something going on. Yeah. So I I, I think that a lot of this was actually born out of the 40th uh, anniversary in the San Francisco uh, takeover that they did. Mm. So when they were celebrating the 40th anniversary of the band, they did a whole thing in San Francisco. They had um, shows at the new where the Warriors play basketball. Sorry. See, this is where I forget the name. Oracle. Oracle correct. Chase and Center. then we Chase Center. Yeah, Chase, Chase Center. By it. Chase Center. <laughs> right, right. Chase so Center. Chase Center. Oracle's was, in Oakland. Chase Center. I think it was uh, one of the, first shows at the chase center at the new yes. building that they that were the, the symphony was the symphony, oh, the symphony. Was, oh, yeah. symphony. All right. this yeah, is yeah. they're already well broken in by them but again don't ask me for details <laughs> i should leave <laughs> that okay. out that's but okay this th that worked so well we had you know events going on at night in san francisco in different parts of town we had cover bands playing shows we had um uh we had a philanthropic talk that i did in, in on um in the mission in san francisco we had a beach cleanup we had a, a volunteer day at the food bank uh the 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 mayor um london breed she proclaimed it metallica day and and it was just a big weekend of activities so when it came time to, for m72 uh for the the 72 seasons world tour m72 world tour they knew they could do a takeover let's 
continue with that model. We're going to be doing no repeat weekend. So why not fill it with all the things that um, people would enjoy? Metallica fans come from all over the place. So it's, I, I think they feel an obligation to make sure everybody's got something to do and it's going to have a good time. So some of the things include, um, there are, uh, club nights, Bado, Otto and Bastardane are going to be playing, uh, the two bands of the kids of the band members. Um, they're going to be playing gigs. Steph right here. He is hosting a interview with Ross Halfin on certain dates. So, um, Ross Halfin, the photographer, uh, that's part of it. We're doing for all within my hands. We're doing some um, food bank volunteer hours in the various cities on the day between. So there's a little something for everyone. And then one of the things that was a big surprise in Europe, we started these the pop up shops so that people can go to these locations to buy their merch, not having to wait for the show to buy the merch. Because if you've mm-hmm. ever been to a Metallica show, the line goes around the block for your merch. So they created these pop-up shops and they just were a home run because people could buy what they wanted and um, and then go to the show and enjoy. So yeah. And then Steph, I've heard Steph talk about what it's like, you know, from the Friday to the Sunday. And I think that's, that, that's kind of, you should step in Steph, yeah. and talk about that vibe yeah. from, from a musical yeah. perspective. Please. Yeah. There's, there's also just to add, there's also film screenings. If people oh, yeah. want to go and see Films. three movies, there's three yeah. Metallica movies playing back to back, uh, every, 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 you know, in between day. And there's also cover bands. There's a, there's three cover bands playing as well. Uh, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going on and black and whiskey have events as well, uh, which are always fun, especially when Mr. Rob Dietrich's involved. He's, a uh, He's a the Swiss Army knife of yeah. human beings, and we will be bringing it, bringing you into his life on the pod. He's well worth hearing stories from. I mean, That's he's great. got great stories. I think one thing to know about Lars: Lars is the biggest Metallica fan there is. Yeah, and Lars is also someone who, if he invites you into his house or if you hang out with him, um, which obviously we've done plenty of over the years, he is a very committed host. So he does, as Renee said, feel an obligation uh, to make sure everyone is entertained and 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 kept busy and i think the idea is if you're going to go to two shows make a weekend of it and let's make sure as as i said that that you are you know that we're looking after you as best we can um that's definitely the driving motivation behind it it is unique i don't think i've seen anything like it before i can't remember seeing anything like it um i think the great thing is that if you get the full experience if you go to two shows yeah because you get uh, upwards of 30 songs 32 give or take one or two if they're feeling particularly great but usually it's a it's a it's a straight 32 songs over the over the the two shows but even if you only go to one show you're still going to get a unique gig so you know it's it's great that there's no repeats over those weekends and uh yeah it's 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 pretty exhausting actually i mean it's tiring (laughs) for everyone literally what went through my head is i'm like god the band is normally like fly in play a show get off to the next city this is like no no, we're sitting down and we're like we're gonna make ourselves available somewhat and like it's crazy to think about the energy and they're not you know there ain't young bucks running around no they work hard for it man (laughs) yeah they they work hard for it they 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 eat properly they train properly i mean they they treat themselves like a like a sports team and uh you know and they rehearse the night before the first gig so you know, technically they're doing like two and a half gigs uh, in four days. I mean, it's, it's, it's an operation. And I got to say, I look at the crew, the crew is just incredible. That crew is, is, is just out of this world. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're a feats of, of, of engineering uh, that I, I still don't understand. And I am going to try and get to the bottom of, and, and we are going to try and get to the bottom of on this tour. I mean, 
take take the rigging into account just there's so much i mean you could as you can see we could this pod could be a half an hour every week your interview could be an hour right now easy i'm (laughs) gonna stop i'm gonna cut myself off thank you so much the show is called the metallic report it's out there's a few episodes you're gonna get so much behind the scenes stuff by listening to these guys so please tune in and stefan and renee thank you for your time thank you for doing what you're doing and um you know, maybe we'll circle back at the end of the tour and we'll do a little recap episode or something like that. That great. would be Thank great. Thank you very much. Thank you so much to Stefan and Renee for coming on to the show. I just absolutely love getting that fly-on-the-wall perspective of a band's career. These guys are awesome. Their podcast, The Metallica Report, is out now. Go and subscribe and keep up with what the band is up to on a weekly basis. And go check out that M72 tour. As always, for the stories behind the songs, go to songfacts.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.